Booze Bazak. Man, I missed that track. Some Scarface, Jay-Z, Beanie Siegel, guess who's Bizak? I don't really remember any of the rest of the words. But I know who's back this time. Brandon LaChance, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Episode 23. Paul, girls basketball coach, TJ Orlandi joined. We spoke a lot about Paul, sports tradition at the high school. They've had a lot of state championships, a lot of things going on at Hall, and it's been fun to be a part of. For this show, we got tons of awesomeness, not just TJ Orlandi, even though TJ Orlandi is probably the best part of the show. Some things I want to talk about. What are the Patriots doing? Are they cheating again? Again? Even if they're not cheating with videotapes of Cincinnati Bengals. First of all, why are you videotaping them if you are videotaping them? They have one win. They are nowhere near your level. They are not going to do anything to stop you or beat you. Nothing. They're not on your level, range, scale, anything. Why would you even risk this against the Cincinnati Bengals if this is what really happened? I don't know for sure. Bill Belichick is saying more than he said before in other allegations. But with me just saying other allegations, that's a problem for the Patriots. As soon as something comes up with the New England Patriots, everybody automatically thinks that they're guilty because they have been guilty or no, they've just been guilty. There is no or. There's no or at all. They were guilty. Deflategate was for real. Whether you want to, oh my God, they didn't deflate. They didn't overinflate. They didn't, they didn't mess with the footballs. Yeah, they did. It's it's pretty obviously that they did. It's very obvious that they did. They also had a videotape scam with the Baltimore Ravens, which at that time, and even this time, would make more sense than the Cincinnati Bengals. I hope they're not doing this. I hope they've learned their lesson. But if they have it and they're still getting away with this, then this is the NFL's problem. Not just their problem to deal with the Patriots. This is their problem that they got to figure out what's going inside. Everybody's already dumping on them about the refs. Officiating has been god-awful. Then you have your cornerstone team, the dynasty that is going on right now, right now, still going on, is doing things like this and being accused of cheating all the time. And they've been caught and proven guilty a couple of times. That is an NFL issue where they need to come down hard on the Patriots and get them to act right. I'm not saying that these things are helping them win championships or win games. Who knows if that's even a thing? I don't know. They do have the players. They have the greatest mind in pro football, if you ask me, and Bill Belichick. You want to talk about a system coach who can plug in any player he wants to into his system? That's Bill Belichick. Every year. Doesn't matter what happens. Tom Brady gets hurt. Okay, we'll put this no-name guy named Matt Castle in. And oh my God, we'll win a bunch of games. Just missed the playoffs. And they shouldn't even lost the playoffs. It was insane. I think they won 11 games that year with Matt Castle. Because Tom Brady got hurt in, I believe, the first game. Please correct me if I'm wrong about that. I mean, it was a long time ago. But I believe I'm correct. If I'm not, let me know. And with that said, let your friends know. Let your family know about Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Share us. Like us. Follow us. On any platform you wish, Spotify, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. iTunes, Apple Music, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We also have a website. All our episodes are on there, just like they are on Spotify and Apple Music, iTunes, backslash iTunes. So Apple Music, backslash iTunes. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Backslash. Anyway, the archive page for Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which is a website, is podcast.rss.com backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. All previous 22 episodes are on, and this one is on now. If you're hearing it, it's on there. So, check us out, share us on Spotify, follow us 
on Apple Music slash backslash iTunes, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. I hear if we get reviews, then we go higher up on the chain of awesomeness and they will push us out more and more people may be able to hear us speak to your favorite coaches, your favorite players. I am always trying to get the best interviews possible and so far I think I've done a pretty solid job. This episode we're talking to TJ Orlandi, new coach who is pumped. Last episode we talked to LaSalle Peru boys basketball coach Jim Trevaney. Always a great interview. We talked about everything including Call of Duty, Snapchat, you know, technology with his players and it was it was a great conversation. I have covered a couple games and I hope to do more of that. You know, time schedules permitting. We'll see what happens with that, but I'm always trying to get to more games. We had Justin Jacobson, the new Mendota basketball coach on. We've had football coaches and Ryan Pearson from Princeton and Derek Schneeman from Fieldcrest and Jose Medina from LaSalle, Peru. We have covered soccer regional championships football playoff games. We covered the Hall and Princeton second round class 3A game. So we're trying to have the best show possible. I'm also talking about national stuff, TV, music, movies, all kinds of stuff. Just to have a, an amazing time, 30 minutes, 40, 45, just chatting, chilling, you know, take your mind off other things that are going on in the world. Plus, you can listen to this when you're doing anything. I actually listen to every episode too on my Spotify. See if there's changes I need to make. Catch mistakes if I'm making mistakes. All that, I'm trying to fine tune, make every episode better, so I'm always listening. Always, always, always. And I catch myself when I'm playing video games. I have the podcast on. Washing dishes, podcast is on. All kinds of stuff. I took out the garbage yesterday. Podcast was on, in my headphones, on my ears, walking down my steps, taking out the garbage to the side of the street. Listen to it the whole time. So, please listen to us. Please share us. Let your friends, family, anybody you speak to, they listen to podcasts, kick them this one. Say, hey, check out Edge Your Seat Podcast. It's pretty cool. It's a little bit of everything. And you never know what they're going to say. That's why they're called Edge Your Seat Podcast. And I say they. I am your host, Brandon LaChance. Always try to have a guest on, just so you're not just listening to me. And there's some diversity and different stories and stuff like that. That's what I want to do here. I like listening to people's stories. I like finding out different parts of life and you can only do that through other people or do it on your own, but if you can't do it on your own because you've got your life to live and maybe those missions or adventures aren't the same, then you listen to somebody else and you listen to their stories. And it's fun, it's exciting, and I hope you guys enjoy it with me every single time. Now, talk about the Patriots. I'm gonna stay on NFL for one more. Le'Veon Bell, playing bowling instead of being on the football field. What? What? He said he's sick. He doesn't feel good. He gets on the I'm not going to play list for Sunday. He's bowling. He bowled a over 200. I think it was a 215 or something. First of all, why are you telling people that you, you're doing that? I have lost pretty much all respect for Le'Veon Bell. Every single year that it's a contract year, he goes in these long disputes and doesn't want to play the game because he feels like he's not getting enough money. Okay, I understand it. Some of these players are definitely not making the amount of money that they should be for the amount of money that the NFL is bringing in. The NFL is a cash cow. They are a cash cow because of the product they bring to the table, to the TV set, to your iPhone, to your iPad, to the stadiums all across the country 
The level of football awesomeness is off the charts. Out of the roof. Pass. Way past. Like a rocket. It's just gone. NFL is that awesome. That is true. Everybody knows it. The players deserve to get paid because they are the ones making it that way. I agree. But you sit out for a year. You come back. You're not on a great team that you signed the contract for to get more money. The money that you wanted to get paid. And then you decide, hey, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to play this game that I get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars for. That a lot of it is because fans, supporters of you or that team, in this case the New York Jets, are buying t-shirts, buying license plate holders, buying socks, dishes, towels. You can pretty much buy anything in your house, anything in your house that you want of a NFL sports team. Jerseys. Straight to the player. Get his number and his name on your back. All over America, especially in New York. There's tons of Jets fans. These people are buying all these things to watch you play. They helped you make a monster contract. And you are at the bowling alley, bowling, instead of being on the NFL football field, the gridiron, where you're paid to play. I'm done with them. He's on my fantasy football team, and that's not even why I'm getting mad about this. People are always saying these athletes are getting paid way too much money, and I don't agree with that. I think they're getting paid what they're supposed to get paid because it's supply and demand. If you have thousands of hundreds of thousands of people coming to your stadiums, watching your product on TV week in and week out, now it's Thursday, Sunday, sometimes Saturday, Thursday of Thanksgiving, it's a tradition. Football is a tradition for the second biggest holiday of the year, goes Christmas, Thanksgiving, that's in my eyes and pretty much a lot of other people's too. Huge product, it is everywhere, again, there is at least one person in probably every household across America, the entire country, the entire country, I just wanna say that again so you understand, has at least one person that has NFL merchandise or is watching NFL sometime throughout that week. Just think about that. Every house. And you can't tell me it's not every house because it is. And if it's not at every house, okay, one house has 10 people in it or one apartment building has 25 people in it to quadruple the amount of in a normal house. So it doesn't even matter. You can say, oh, no, not every house likes NFL. Well, there's enough people in this other house to match that house and even more. So it really doesn't matter. NFL's everywhere. The man should be playing the game. The NFL should find him. Roger Goodell should find Le'Veon Bell for not being on the football field and instead bowling. If you are healthy enough to bowl, you are healthy enough to get paid to play football. <sighs> man, I don't know if I can even go on after that. Le'Veon Bell, that just, man, that just makes me mad. I was going to talk about... The Eminem and Nick Cannon, <laughs> I don't even know what you want to call it, war, battle, Nick Cannon being an idiot trying to go after one of the best battle MCs of all time, of all time. Ask MGK what happens when you go at Eminem, and this was recently, that's why I'm bringing him up. Not even going to talk about Ja Rule and all the other ones that Benzino, Benzino wasn't even really a rapper anyway, he was awful, god awful. I know it's about Mariah Carey, I have not checked him out yet. So that's why I'm not really going to talk about this. I am going to wait because there's some more music stuff that I really, really want to talk about. I'm a huge music guy. Not as much as sports, but I love music. So I really want to talk about a couple music things. But I'm going to do it on the next episode because TJ Orlandi's interview is awesome. And I wanted to talk about the Pats and Le'Veon Bell. 
And this is Thursday night. The Hall Lady Red Devils are playing right now. They're playing against Princeton. And TJ Orlandi talks about the Hall-Princeton game in his interview. I don't even know if it's an interview. It's really a, a conversation. All of these are conversations. I'm going to quit using the word interview. It's not like I'm still with a newspaper and you're asking borderline questions. I'm really just talking to people. Like sitting at a bar or sitting at a restaurant or playing a game of cards. Just chilling, talking. That's what I wanted to do this for. It is awesome. Getting to know people, listening to stories that you don't get to hear anywhere else. That's what I'm trying to do for your entertainment, for my entertainment, for learning stuff. I've been learning all kinds of stuff from almost everybody I've talked to. It is awesome. I did want to bring up the Komoni Classic. It is always one of my favorite tournaments. The Komoni Classic and the Plano Christmas Classic are my two favorite tournaments of basketball in this area. There's no doubt about that. They have wrapped up pool play games. They did that yesterday and Wednesday. So we'll skim over the pools. We'll start with the red pool. Plano took it 2-0. They beat Hall last night. Hall finished 1-1 in the red pool. And Putnam County was 0-2. In the black pool, Fieldcrest finished 2-0. Princeton 1-1 and Mendota 0-2. In the white pool, Rock Falls 2-0. Pontiac 1-1. Barrel Valley 0-2, Graypool, Kiwani 2-0, St. Bede 1-1, and Marquette 0-2. Today is Thursday, like I just said. They have started the crossover games today and tomorrow, and then Saturday they start the bracket play, which is always a ton of fun. I always get pumped up for this classic. It is always, always such a blast. Just a lot of great area teams. Always have strong basketball programs. Each and every single one of these teams has had success. Maybe they're not all successful right now, but they all have a tradition of winning games, regional titles, and things like that. Or just some fantastic squads. All, every single one of them. So it's always a fun to watch. Always, always fun to watch. So yeah, tonight they're starting the crossovers. Tomorrow they finish them. And then Saturday, they go into the bracket play. I never have a favorite. Every time I try to pick a favorite, I'm like, oh, they're going to win this. I'm never right. I don't know if I'm just a bad selector or what, but I never pick the winner. Never, never, never. With that said, we are going to go to the TJ Orlandi interview. Thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. We are in Miss Basketball season. It's upon us. We are a few weeks in, and I am very thankful to have new Hall girls basketball coach TJ Orlandi with us. How are you, TJ? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It is my pleasure. I don't know if you know, but I am from Mendota. I graduated in 2004. Okay. And when I was at Mendota, I was a basketball player. We hated Hall. Yeah. Capitalized underlined hated hall like it was our huge rival i start yeah. working for the news tribune and then all of a sudden i am covering everything hall and i begin to know the people there and everything like that and now it is one of my favorite places to go so <laughs> thank you for being part of hall and doing this interview <laughs> no problem yeah i know i remember when i was in high school too that was it was the ncic then and they yeah, hall mendota football especially but even basketball was a huge rivalry it was that was it was always mendota and princeton were like our two conference rivals 
Oh, definitely. Uh, those were the days, though. That was a lot of fun to be in that era with the NCIC and just everybody in your area playing against them. And then you would see them at the mall or see them at a restaurant. Right. And, and it was a lot of fun. When you think back, people forget that. I mean, when you look at the basketball side of that conference, that was a stacked conference when you think about all the teams that were in that. And I mean, Paul and Mendota probably two of the smallest ones in that conference. We were playing some pretty big-sized schools. Geneseo, LP, Ottawa, Rochelle, Rock Falls, you know, Sterling. I mean, it was reader. It was pretty stacked. Yeah, some really, really good schools. So what year did you graduate? I was back in 96. Okay, 96. I know there was a lot of great players back in that era. I say yeah, era, oh yeah. but I call my 2004 is an era to me, too. <laughs> so I'm not trying to make you sound old by any means. No, not no worries. <laughs> but uh, a lot of kids that have went to, you know, D1 colleges or even, you know, D2 or D3 or went on to, you know, do other things athletically have come from this area. And oh, yeah. especially in 96 and in the early 2000s, there was quite a few. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was there's a lot of good athletes through the through the years <laughs> coming out of that conference. We are not in the NCIC anymore. Neither school. You guys are in the Three Rivers Conference in basketball. It's the East Division. Just talk about it. You know, being a new coach and being in this conference, and you know the uh, the challenges that you have in your first year. The nice thing about the conference is you still have some of those kind of rivalry games. We just you know, we have St. Bede and Princeton on our side, which are close and local. So the girls kind of really get excited for those games. We played St. Bede last night. Actually, we played Princeton on Thursday. So this is kind of a big rivalry week for us. Um, uh, so that's kind of nice. And just within the conference, I mean, it, it's a it's a tough conference. You you know, going up to Newman, going to Kiwani, never easy places to play. And then as far as just me coming in as a new coach, it's just, I mean, luckily I was doing JV the last couple of years, so I got to be a little bit familiar with some of these schools and some of the stuff they do as far as basketball-wise and, you know, just kind of seeing what we did against them and, and how we matched up. So it would have been, I think, a little more challenging. I mean, it is challenging still, but it would have been, you know, if I was coming in just new and not really knowing anything about these teams or any of the girls kind of playing in this conference, it would have been much more difficult of a transition, I think. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So for your two years in JV, so you were, were you coaching under Brian Holman then? Well, yeah, I was JV coach and then kind of like assistant varsity coach. So that was good. It was a good experience and just get just to kind of see how he prepared for teams and games and, you know, how he kind of basically just handled the program, both within the basketball aspect of it and then even just, you know, the stuff that you have to do outside of basketball. So it was a good learning experience for two years just to kind of get to see how, how he did things and how he ran things. And it's helped a lot for me coming into this year. It's got to be a cool feeling to know that you're, you know, taking over a program after a pretty successful coach was there. So the girls that you're, you know, coaching now, they've been in the program. They know the drills. They know what's going on. So it probably was a, an easy, like you said, an easy transition. For sure. And I think that talking like about, you know, for a transition for me, I think it, it helped the girls too. just, you know, a lot of my coached on JV, got to know them helping with varsity. You know, I was under Holman's system, you know, running the same stuff at, on the JV level the last couple of years. So, and these girls have been in the program three and four years. So it was like, we don't want to come in and we didn't see a sense in changing a lot. You know, I mean, if he was successful, they were doing a lot of good things. 
you know, we maybe added some things here or there, but for the most part, for the girls, you know, it's been a lot of the same routines, a lot of doing a lot of the same stuff on offense and defense within the game. And then being they knew the coaches and knew all of us from last year, I just think it, like you said, it's just a nice, easier transition for them too. Taking over the program after Brian Holman, you know, we were talking about he's successful. He won four regional titles, and no offense to the athletes that played for him, but those are a couple years where I think it was more Brian Holman's coaching than the athletes, and he took some teams to regional titles and further that, you know, most people wouldn't have thought had any business being on that level, and he put them there. So, with that... Was there pressure stepping into this position, taking over after him? Yeah, yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, just from what he's done the last few years, there's automatically going to probably be high expectations for the girls' basketball program. And I kind of went back, and I'll be honest, I kind of went back and forth on it a little bit, whether it was something I wanted to do or not. And I talked to Eric Bryan a lot about it, who's the AD at Hall, and me and him know each other well to begin with. We went to school together. We had a lot of conversations about it. had a lot of conversations Coleman about it some other friends I have who coach girls basketball at different schools and you know ultimately I like being around the girls game I really enjoyed coaching it the last two years on JV and it was something that I never thought I would enjoy really I was kind of hesitant to, to do it originally at the JV level ended up really enjoying it and just getting to know some of these girls that are in the program and kind of what good kids they are and good people they are and I just kind of wanted to be stay a part of it and be in the program see what we can do with with these girls kind of moving forward and it's been going good so far so I'm I'm, I'm happy with my decision to this point so (laughs) (laughs) well that's good and I'm sure you will be I mean you you've already had some success what is your record now we're 500 started off well up in Oregon Oregon, we got third and we were three and one that first tournament. We had kind of a little bit of a rough stretch last week, which looking at our schedule, I thought that would be just a really tough week for us early in the season. Um, we were at Kiwani, at Newman, and we had to play Anwan up in Amboy. A couple of tough places to play on the road, good teams. Anwan's always tough and my buddy Jason Berkowitz coaches them and they've won a couple state titles. They always seem to have good teams. So that we kind of struggled a little last week. We're kind of an undersized team this year, and I've said that more than once. And we just we we didn't always realize you have to you have to box people out to rebound. <laughs> and uh, we we really hit it hard kind of last week after the Kiwani and Newman game. We got beat up on the boards pretty good. You know the girls have really worked at it, and against Anwan and and St. Bede, we did a much better job. So. It's, uh, so we're, we're at 500. We just won our, we beat St. Bede. We won our first conference game. Hopefully kind of carried into Princeton on Thursday. We, we start this season with 16 road games. So not the most ideal situation. So we're trying to make the best of it and get as many wins as we can before we get back home. <laughs> that is a lot of road games. So it's 16 consecutive road games? Yeah, I mean, we're in a couple tournaments, you know, so it's some of it's neutral floor against teams. But our first game at Hall is January 11th. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a it's kind of a long stretch. So that's pretty much like two months into the season. Yeah, I mean, our first game, I think, was November 20th. So you're talking pretty close to two months before we play at Hall. <laughs> Who made this schedule? Was this Eric Bryant? <laughs> uh, you know, no, I mean, I, I don't know how the conference schedule worked out that way, but we kind of, we play everybody on the road before we play them at home. But, 
And I was, I, I, you, you try to make the best of it, though. Like, I've said this before. I'm like, well, at least in January and February, we uh, we don't have to get on too many buses when it's going to be freezing cold, I'm sure. so Definitely. And it, and I'm cool with Eric Bryant. We joke around with each other all the time, so that's no, why I yeah. did that. <laughs> yeah, no, no blame, just kind of the way it fell. <laughs> For sure. I didn't think he would purposely do that. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. No. Wanted to give us a real good challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about how you went to school with Bryant, you went to school with Berkowitz, so you went to school with uh, Eric Yearly as well? Yep, yep. Eric's a year younger than me. Yearly went to school with my brother, so they played the same like football, basketball teams and that, and then uh, Berkowitz was like a year younger than them, so we were all like within the same kind of range there. And the reason I bring up yearly for our listeners that don't know, he is the head coach of Byron's girls team, and he has also won state championship. Just got state championships all over from the Hall alum. Yeah, yeah, they, they've done a good job. I think they've won maybe two apiece, or yeah, I believe it I is two right? apiece. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of kind of cool to see when it when it was happening. Obviously, that was before I like started coaching at Hall or anything. But we were, you know, in contact with them and following it pretty close. It was pretty cool to see a couple of your buddies win state titles as coaches. It was pretty neat. Have any of them texted you or called you yet and said, "Hey, you're gonna join us here or what?" Uh, no, I I talked to him off and on about this and that. Got you know tried to get some advice from them before took this job and then. You know, now that we've been, I've been doing it, like I said, I'm in pretty, me and Holman talk pretty regularly about different things. And then I, I'll talk to Burke and, and Yearly every so often too, just to kind of ask some questions here or there. And it's pretty good, good, good trio to get some coaching advice from. Yeah, that's an awesome board of directors of high school basketball coaches. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Or a trust board, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have mentioned the St. Bede game a couple times here. I know it was a W for you guys, and I know Hannah Hart surpassed a thousand points. Just talk about being the coach for that experience and, and to see Hannah do that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Before the season, Holman had kind of told me where she was at. We had kind of been talking about it. So he sent me, you know, what, what she was at point-wise, and I've kind of just been myself keeping a tally of it. So I was, you know, kind of in contact with Bryant, and, hey, here she's at, she's at this, she, you know, she's getting close. And as we were coming into Saturday, I didn't think she was going to get 30 against Anawan. She would have needed 30 to get it on Saturday, but I was like, hey, here's where we're at. And she, she had like a 29 or 28-point game this year, so I was like, I guess it's possible. She ended up getting 12 only against them, so she's 18. So I'm like, all right, we got either St. Peter or Princeton. So he got a hold of their ADs and kind of let them know what the situation was. And they were great about it. Said, hey, we'll stop the game, make an announcement. If it happens, we'll give her the game ball. So she needed 18 against St. Bede. Got it on the number in the fourth quarter. Had scored 18, made 10 of 10 free throws to get it. And, and it was nice to see B. They stopped the game, made an announcement. She got a nice ovation from everybody, gave her the ball. Um, and then we kind of took her out so she could get kind of another ovation for that. But and then it, so it was a nice moment for her. I was pretty happy for her. You know, she she works hard and deserves it. And it was just a great accomplishment for her. And it'll be kind of cool to see where she ends up at the end of this year. We got a lot of games left. So. So how does it work? Can you say that she is your first 1,000-point scorer, or do you have to wait till you have a player in, in your program for a few years? Yeah, I don't think I can claim that one. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess I'm a part of it. 
I would say I'd probably have to be somebody I had for their whole time there. <laughs> That's what I would say anyway. <laughs> but if you wanted to cheat, you could add her in there. Yeah, I, 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 I could, I guess. Like our junior, Jackie Cheneau, she's got a pretty good shot to get it next year. So I'll have had her for two years and Holman had her for two years. So maybe, you know, we can kind of take split credit on it or something. <laughs> there you go. There you go. With you, you know, with us talking about Hannah Hart, and you just mentioned Jacqueline Cheneau. Just talk about you stepping into this program as the head coach for the first season and to have two players like that. I mean, Hannah's a leader. Jacqueline or Jackie, everybody calls her Jackie. With Jackie, you know, also a good player. I think probably more a little vocal of a leader than Hannah is. Hannah is definitely a leader by example. But having two players like that in your first season, that has to be a relief and a very big positive for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's been nice, and they've been great, you know. And, you, you know, you're right in the past, like, Jackie's been probably more of an outspoken, vocal leader, and that's what I kind of thought would happen coming into this year. But it's actually, and Hannah, Hannah's always, like, very quiet. Since I've known her the two years I've been in the program, like you said, led by example, just kind of went out and played. But it's been nice to see now she's a senior, and there's been some moments this year where, you know, just about a week ago in practice where she kind of, came out vocally to the team and it was just it's nice to see her kind of take on some of that as well that I didn't know if she would or not you know she's more reserved and quiet and it's it's been kind of cool to see her kind of step up a little more and be a little more of a vocal leader with the girls as well so it's been kind of nice and yeah outside of those two it's a lot of inexperienced starters on varsity and a lot of the girls that are getting a lot of playing time this year haven't had a ton the most was probably Zoe Morris was first off the bench last year but but most of the time it was you know, a lot of games, it was the five starters that kind of ran the, the, the majority of minutes unless there was foul trouble or somebody was hurt or sick. So a lot of new girls, and it's been a big help with them too, having so much experience on the varsity level, knowing the, knowing the system, knowing what's expected, just to kind of lead by example and at times vocally as well. So it's been, it's been, it's been nice for me to have those two. Always got to feel good to have player when you step into a new situation like that, players who can, you know, help you with the team as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, that was when you look at everything about taking this job and everything that comes with it. When you kind of when I kind of looked and saw and knew I had those two coming in, coming back, you know, that's a part of it when you're kind of making a decision whether to do this or not. And they, they've been great. So I don't know if you've had the same starting lineup for every game that you've played this year, but what's the the starting lineup that you've been running most often, or at least against St. Beat? Yeah, we've actually had the same, thinking about it, yeah, we've had we've had the same five to start uh, this year. So it's been Jackie and, Jackie and Hannah, Taya Katani, who's a senior guard, and then we have Zoe Morris and Tasia Foster, kind of forward and center, both juniors. That's been our five. And then uh, Rachel Cobalt, who's also a senior, she kind of plays a little bit everywhere for us. She's pretty much always our first off the bench. So that's kind of how we've been going so far. Tia Katani, she is a cross-country runner, correct? Yeah, yeah. She qualified for sectionals this year, and she did really well in cross-country. And she's kind of, she's probably the fastest girl on our team. She just never seems to tire. <laughs> she's just always going full go, and she covers a lot of ground defensively for us. Let me just say that. Those cross-country kids, they never get winded. 
I don't think she ever does. It doesn't seem like it anyway. I've been to some invitationals where girls are running 12-minute, pretty much marathons, three, three and a half miles, and they get done, and two minutes later, they're like, hey, are we going to run again? <laughs> like, yeah, right, yeah, and I have a lot of respect for that because I was never a distance runner. I never wanted any part of running a mile or anything longer than that it was got a lot of respect for people who can run distance like that and especially not be tired afterwards <laughs> yeah it's insane with you graduating in 96 did you play on uh what year did halls win the state title was that 96 yeah uh well it was like 95 96 so technically it was like nine it was my senior year 95 okay. right right was actually the football season but yeah were you on the team i was and then i uh my junior year blew out my knee and ACL, MCL, meniscus, cartilage, everything. It's come, knee, knee surgeries have come a long way since then, let me just say that. But I, yeah, I blew out my knee, ended up playing baseball my junior year. I came back and played baseball. And then that summer going into my senior year, I was doing like baseball and like summer basketball my knee just kept going out and i ended up having to get another surgery right at the start of basically the season or the school year my senior year i was only ended up able to play baseball my junior and senior year before that i had played like baseball for football baseball basketball so it's kind of unfortunate looking back <laughs> <laughs> uh, injuries that happen to everybody you never know you just never know if it's gonna happen or not right yeah i mean it was yeah it, I mean, it's at the time when you're in high school and then you've played all these sports your whole life and then you see your, all your buddies playing in a state championship game and it kind of sucks. But <laughs> uh, what it is, I, I mean, I, got, I was always around. I mean, I was on the sidelines for pretty much all the games and got to kind of be a part of it, but it wasn't the same, you know. <laughs> I do understand that. At least you were there, though. You got to to celebrate with your buddies and stuff. That had yeah. a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, it was. It was for sure. And Paul had kind of at that point been close a lot of years. And that was a fun, fun ride that year. And then like, a couple of years after that, my brother, his junior, well, actually the next year, so I graduated my brother's junior year. They went down to state and lost in the title game. So it was kind of just cool being a part of it with just to see my brother out there. He was like, one of their starting defensive backs, and it's kind of neat to see him out there playing a state game. What it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you still have memories of it, and still, you know, you got to cherish those. That's awesome. Yeah. Only thing that I wish that I wasn't a giant rival or hated Hall when I was in high school is because I would have loved to see Kaylee Klein play. I know she graduated in 06, which is two years after I did, but I could have watched her freshman and sophomore year, but I would have never went to Hall High School unless I was playing on the court. So I really wish I would have got to watch her play. Yeah. I mean, I be honest with you, I don't even know if I really saw Kaylee play. I, I, I remember watching... I don't know, did they, go, did they go to state one year or two years? One year for sure. I remember watching the game on TV because I think one of my buddy's sisters also played or something. So, I mean, that was probably, honestly, the only time I ever saw her as well. So I was kind of, I wasn't really around here at the time. Every When you look at, like, the records and the point totals and some of the stuff, it's like, yeah, nobody's going to touch those ever. <laughs> yeah, she was, from what I hear, she was amazing. I never got to watch yeah. her play, though. 
kind of the same. So what I do like about Hall is it doesn't matter really when you went to Hall High School. There's always like a high time or something about like that era or you know those years. Whether it be you know a different sport, baseball, basketball, volleyball, right? You know track and field. This had their highlights too. Oh yeah. So it's really cool talking to, you know, Red Devil alumni and stuff like that. There's always something to talk about of sports, you know, championships or, you know, high accolades that maybe some other schools don't get to talk about as much. Hall's been pretty lucky. Looking back over the years, they had, yeah, football, boys and girls basketball, volleyballs had a few teams down at state track. He had DJ Glenn almost won the team competition by himself, and then they they had success this last year with their relay teams and that, and then the baseball team a couple of years ago. So yeah, it, it, when you really think back about it, they've been kind of lucky or you know more fortunate as Paul alum or people in the community getting to see a lot of really good teams in different sports uh, that probably a lot of other schools don't haven't had a chance to kind of experience. So it's been pretty cool. We can move on from Hall now. We've talked a lot about Hall. We have. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's cool. I mean, you went there, you're coaching there, and like I said, huge rival. And then as I got into the journalism world around here, like it was one of my favorite places to go. Cool, man. I like, you know, when I was there, and even before me and a little after me, like I said, when my brother was playing, Gary Vicini just had a lot of great teams. They had a pretty strong run for about 20 years there, or 15 years, whatever it was, where there was a lot of success. And then my brother was on the basketball teams that both went to state and fortunate to see a lot of it yeah we didn't even mention sean jepson we didn't even mention him oh yeah sean's my boy we, we uh <laughs> we were college roommates <laughs> <laughs> me and my brother and sean and his brother are like just really good friends so <laughs> we've known each other since like grade school we're moving on from there i mean we're almost winding down the nfl season playoffs are right around the corner doesn't that seem crazy it seems like the season just started yeah there's only like a few weeks left i think and they're like three weeks now or something football fantasy uh, we just started the first week of the playoffs. Unfortunately, I'm out in my league, which is awful. Yeah, this is like the first year. I think I've been playing fantasy for a long time. I'm in like two leagues. I think this is the first time I've ever had neither team in the playoffs. And it's also been like, man, I've had no luck with injuries. I have like the walking injured reserve on my fantasy teams. It's brutal. <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> On my main team was like the walking. So you you might be walking injuries. Mine was like the walking disappointment list. Like, I had a bunch Even of. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they're playing, but Le'Veon Bell didn't have a great year. No. Saquon Barkley did not have a great year. It looks great on paper, though, didn't it? For start oh, the year, <laughs> amazing! Like those were my two keepers, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roast everybody. Matt Ryan didn't have a oh, great I, year. I had him in a league, not good. Yeah, went five and one in the first six weeks. I mean, I have New England defense, and they were torching everybody. Oh yeah. And then since then, I went one and six and lost in the first week of the playoffs. <laughs> That's a bad run in the season. <laughs> yeah, awful. Awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was, like, hanging by a thread for a possible playoff spot in one of them, but I just crashed and burned. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of those injuries you were talking about that kind of hurt you? Well, I had Kamara in both leagues, and he missed a stretch. I had Thielen, who was been hurt forever, it seems like, off and on. Having a mind blank now. What's the receiver for uh, the Colts? Ooh. TJ something? Ty. Ty. He's been out. I had uh, Hill from Kansas City. He was out. It's like every time I turned around, somebody was hurt. It just, it just, 
guy that uh, tight end for Atlanta, Hooper. Yeah. Yep. He's 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 been out for weeks. It's just like I I couldn't. There was never anybody to pick up. It was some of the guys I had to start some weeks was brutal. Just no chance. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. And I was the one league that I'm in is ten teams or twelve teams. Anyway, eight go to the playoffs. I think it's twelve. That's all, yeah, the one I'm in is I think both of them in is twelve and eight go. Yeah, so I'm like, man, I spent two weeks of the league in the number one spot, and I finished in seven. I'm like, okay, if I can pick up a win, I'll be happy. I lost yesterday after the Monday night game with Barkley because Barkley jumped on Eli Manning's fumble. Oh, yeah, so what, he get, like, a loss of yards or something? Yeah, and I lost by point zero eight. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> I forgot to mention that when I was talking about my team before. Yeah, that, it's awful. You're not meant to win when something like that happens and, no. <laughs> and you lose. <laughs> no, not at all. So besides, you know, the fantasy aspect of the game, and I did look up the Colts wide receiver. It's Ty Hilton. Hilton, that's it, yeah. T.Y. Yeah, T.Y. I'm looking at, like, hold on, there's dots there. T.Y. Hilton. That's it. He's been out. There's more, I'm sure. I can't even think of it. There's been so many. <laughs> but they've been injured on my team. Besides the uh, you know the fantasy aspect of football, are you a Bears fan? I am. Has it been, man? It's been a roller coaster of a season. I'm a huge Bears fan too. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm kind of shocked they're actually seven and six right now after that kind of stretch we had where, where we, I think we won like three straight. So I think they were like four and six. I just think the the Detroit Lions for being on our schedule twice in three weeks. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> and the Cowboys aren't really what everybody thought they were going to be, so. But then we lost to some teams early in the year, like the Oakland Raiders, we should have beat. I mean, the Raiders game, they come back and take the lead and then give up like a 97-yard drive to lose it. Chargers. That was the next one I was going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> missed like a 30-yard field goal to win it. Although we probably shouldn't have beat Denver. We kind of got lucky in that one, so balances out a little bit. <laughs> For some odd reason, Chicago teams, besides the 85 Bears, you know, Monsters of the Midway, yeah. Or the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. Every year for any Chicago sport, it's kind of like it, it's always a roller coaster. You never know what's going to happen. You could have the highest hopes in the world, but you never know. What it is to be a Chicago sports fan. Oh, I swear. The, Haw- the Hawks gave us a good run. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I, I never mentioned them, but yeah. Yeah, they, they had an awesome run. And I yeah. really wasn't a hockey fan. I can't say I'm a hockey fan now. But watching that and being around that atmosphere with legit hockey fans, that was really yeah. cool. It was a cool moment for me to, like, step out of, like, fandom and just, like, right. be involved. That was a pretty awesome run. Playoff hockey is pretty all, all most sports postseasons are pretty awesome, but uh, I went to like my first Hawks game when I was like eight or ten. I think I was like ten. My uncle got us tickets, and the first game we went, we ever went to, it was at the old Chicago Stadium, and it was like the Hawks won like five to two. So there was a lot of goals, and then there was like it seemed like there was a fight every like five minutes in that game. <laughs> so it was like the best possible first hockey game to ever go to. <laughs> to become a fan of hockey it was pretty awesome (laughs) that is very cool (laughs) another memory you will never forget no that one i will not (laughs) well awesome tj thank you for joining us we talk some hall pretty much hall everything we talk some bears some blackhawks real quick i appreciate you joining us and you know having a a pretty solid conversation it was a lot of fun yeah yeah i had had a good time (laughs) 